Whoa, okay. Learning to deal with the mic. Normally not normally having that. Um, today we'll be going over stock market basics. So thank you all for being here today. And what I'm going to try to do is go through a lot of this information and then come back and then go through questions, okay? Because that's really the most valuable thing. I mean, there's no point in me having a wonderful presentation. Then you have specific questions that you want answered. That's really the whole purpose. So, all right. So what we're going to be going over is what are stocks. We're going to go over stocks, options, and kind of where you want to put your money to make the most out of it um, versus sitting in an account, sitting in wherever else it may be, under a mattress, et cetera. Um, so just kind of understanding what stocks are. Um, stock ownership, public, it's uh, interest in a publicly traded company. Um, you've got basically a claim on that company's assets and those earnings. And actually, Mr. Darrell, if you can click on that uh, YouTube link down there, we'll go right to there. Nothing like an on-the-fly. Uh... Okay, I won't let you bring it up. No, the dot will work too. Or actually, if we just bring up a browser, we can. Let me see here. Oh, you know what? I'll pop out of it totally. No, I'll let you do it. trying to with this uh, let me see where's a okay let's try this edit <laughs> doesn't want to copy and paste okay um can you type that just type it in here uh yeah just the whole thing all right, so while we get that, that video actually will give you a good idea of stocks. But just in case it doesn't come up, um, basically you have ownership in that company. So while that's great, you know, you can have ownership in Google, you can have ownership in Amazon. Um, those are the companies we think about, but there are tons of companies in stock exchange that have gone completely out of business. And the only thing of value that you have is that stock. So if they go out of business, then that stock is worth Anybody? Zero. Exactly. Um, so that is the risk of stocks. That being said, um, that's the whole game, I guess, if you will. Um, that's the value of it is that it is a risk. It's an investment. Okay. So some people say, okay, you know what? Uh, my neighbor who's done very well in stock investment, he said, you know, you could take a, a, a dart and throw it at the stock exchange and you can make money. There was a time where you could do that, and to some degree you can do that now, but it's the same. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. And do we have sound on that? Okay, anyway, we're working on the sound. But um, the point of the matter is it's still an investment. So just like that, okay, here we go. A stock is a share of the ownership of a company. As the owner of a stock, the stockholder, you have a claim on the company's assets and earnings. Suppose Steve is starting a company. 
Pies R Us. He needs $100,000, but doesn't want to borrow from a bank. Instead, Steve invests $10,000 of his own money and finds nine other investors who are willing to invest $10,000 each. In return, he gives each investor a certificate that represents 10% of his company. Each certificate represents 10% of the company's assets, the building, the pie pans, and the baking materials, and 10% of any future earnings. After one year, the company is doing well, and the company's total value increases to $200,000. This means each share of the company is now worth $20,000, $200,000 divided by 10 shares. That's twice the original $10,000. The original investors can sell their stock in the company to other investors for a 100% profit. This is how stocks work. Stocks are bought and sold daily on the major exchanges. So there you go. Now, uh, obviously, that was only going up. They don't show you the going down piece of that. Okay, so you'll hear me say that a lot, and you're like, okay, well, why should you do that? Well, I always just want people to have a realistic expectation when they go in and investing stocks. Um, when I first got into stock investing, I knew to take money that I wasn't going to need and put in there. Um, but I've come across people who, I mean, really what happened was I was managing money for other people because they said, hey, well, you're doing pretty good. And so, hey, could you manage my money too? So I was doing that. And then someone came along and said that was illegal because you had to have a license. So I went to go through all that stuff. Um, but the point of the matter is some of the people that were handing money to me at that point in time, fortunately, I didn't lose any of it but it wasn't necessarily money that they had to lose. Um, and that's a very important piece. I mean, the money that I'll show you the stock account that I have, it's money that, yes, it's gonna be painful if, it, if I lose it, but I'm not in there every single day checking it. When it first went in there, I was. But the bottom line is, if it's gone tomorrow, it's gone tomorrow. Um, so that's the thing that you need to keep in mind. Oh, we trying to get that back up? Okay. slide there we go um, so we can go to the next slide um, so these are some of the companies that you see you know on the stock exchange that people typically think of Apple Facebook Google um, but that being said there are tons of companies on the New York Stock Exchange uh, there's a bunch of others as well so we can go to the next and really and this is the presentation that you're looking at was originally done in PowerPoint, and now we have a PowerPoint viewer, so some of these slides are probably gonna be a little bit jacked up, but that's okay, we'll, I'll get you through that. Um, the, if you're looking to preserve capital, okay, you've got money, you wanna get into stocks, but you don't want it to be too risky, a lot of times you're gonna go with the main um, companies, the primary ones that you hear a lot about, okay? Um, if you want to make a bit more money than that, you might go with some lesser known names. And if you want to make a bit more money than that, each time I tell you make a bit more money, there's additional risk that comes with it, you're gonna go with even lesser named companies. Um, but they're all, each one of them has a ticker symbol. And that ticker symbol is what enables you to go and look and find out what that company's doing. You're not gonna type in Microsoft in uh, whether it's any of the um, exchanges and find out that 
what that stock is doing. You're going to use that ticker symbol. Um, now, what you can do, though, is because Google has made everything so easy for us, you can type in Microsoft stock or whatever the company's name in stock is and often bring up that um, information there. So uh, you can go, oh, okay, now, again, some of these, eh, there aren't really, United Technologies. How many people have heard of United Technologies? Okay, so two people. Uh, McDonald's. Everybody, okay? So that's kind of some of the differences between the ones that you may have heard of and haven't heard of. Um, we can go to the next. Cisco is a, another one. Um, okay, IPOs. This I'm going to kind of, I want to really hit home one because you'll hear it's less now, but I guess it was probably 2000, 2001. Every other day it seemed like there was a company that was going out and they were IPOs, initial public offerings. Okay, so that company first hits the, uh, oh, thank you. First hits the stock exchange, and everybody's super excited about it because normally you've got a bunch of investors pitching it. See all these people up front? These are the people that are really making money off an IPO, okay? Um, we individual people are not normally because the other thing is what happens when an IPO comes out is that initial public offering, first of all, all their buddies are in there. Um, you've got institutions that line up and they get that stock at a much lower price than what you do. So by the time it hits market, you're like, okay, great. I'm going to buy, get Facebook stock. Well, now it's, it's jacked up a lot higher than what it should be, what the value of that company is. Okay. So actually, if you go to the next slide, I think we have Facebook in there. Okay. This one, I'm going to, I'll go back to that in a sec, but I'm going to look at this one. Okay. Yeah. Here's the Facebook one. I'll go back to the other one. So Facebook, when it came out in IPO, it was, I want to call it around $39 a share. It immediately dropped, okay, because all those people said, hey, you know what, it's not worth $39 a share, and all their buddies that they gave it to, so they went out and they made their profit, they sold it, and now dropped down, okay, so you bought it up here, you're like, oh, well, you know, it drops down, you think, well, it's going to go back up, and it does, and then it takes another drop. So right here, you're really not happy. Okay, they're happy. You're not happy. Keep on going. It doesn't make it back up to its original um, IPO price until all the way over here, which is you're looking about at least about a year later or so. Um, and then it had subsequent drops after that. But okay, I didn't want to be shooting anybody in the eye with this. Um, so that's kind of how IPOs go. And some companies that IPO, they never actually get back up to their original share price unless that company is able to demonstrate and have revenues um, against expenses that justify it. Um, one thing that you also see with a lot of IPOs, even in a lot of new companies, is if you're losing a million dollars a year, are you doing well? You would say probably not, but there are a lot of those companies, they're losing multi-million dollars a year, but their stock price is still going up. And you say, why does that happen? That happens because they believe that the forward value of that company is going to be worth more. Yes, they're losing a million dollars a year, but five years down the line, it's going to be worth whatever that is. So that's, you know, that's where you get into valuation. And a lot of times, actually you can go back one slide, um, a lot of times you have to look and say, okay, what's that value going to be? Um, and as an entrepreneur, I can tell you, like, 
when I originally started out in business, a lot of people thought, get a job. And then after I was in business for a while and money still wasn't there, a lot of people still thought, get a job. So that's really what an IPO is in these companies are. Like Amazon, when it first came out, they're selling books. Okay, you're selling books online. Well, I can go to Barnes & Noble and that type of stuff. But if you were looking at that company when it came out you would have, and you were able to foresee, okay, a lot of people are buying things online more and more, that type of thing, you would have said, okay, that's great. I'm going to put my money in Amazon. And so now that what this is really just showing is you put $1,000 in Amazon back in 97, you'd have $239,000 now. Um, eBay, what, that's 98. You got 68,000. Facebook, <laughs> you put, well, now, okay, this is also, um, I gotta look at what year this is. This is 2013, okay? So this is, this is gonna actually be even higher now for a lot of these companies. Um, Facebook, 1,000, you only had $1,269. And that's also because you're buying IPO price. Now, Facebook is actually up higher now because of where they went to. Um, and really, you've got to look at that company and say, okay, how are they going to be to diversify their product offerings? Facebook. When it first came out, Facebook was a glorified uh, freshman picture book. Okay, It was designed so you could see the freshmen coming in, and mostly it was guys who was looking, were looking to see what girls were coming in, and that's, that's what it was. Okay, But after... You know, kind of then they, they had all this notoriety. Then somebody said, okay, what can you do with this large amount of data that you've got? And you've got people communicating back and forth. And then they started diversifying into businesses and things like that. So that's the platform, though, originally was not a business platform. You know, I mean, and a lot of people don't remember that, but that's, that's where it first started out. Um, so when you're looking at companies and saying, okay, well, do I want to invest in this company, invest in that company, see where the uh, uh, long-term plans of that company are. Like Facebook, when it first came out, I was like, I don't want to buy Facebook. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have a business application. Um, but somebody in there, what they call the prospectus, or um, especially a long-term plan of the company, and you have uh, these calls that you can be on, which they will tell you, hey, this is what our company is going to be doing. So while I was looking at it as a picture book, somebody in the um, C-level executive was saying, okay, look, this is where we're going as a company. This is what we're going to be doing. And you do want to be on those calls. So as, as soon as you buy a share of stock, you have a right to be in on that call with, it's called an investor's call. And that's when the um, president, CEO, executive is going to tell you what we're going to be doing over the next two years, five years, ten years, et cetera. Um, we can go to the next slide. If it'll allow you to go to the next slide. Okay. Uh, where about we can go to the next slide. That's one of those messed up. Um, a collection of stocks, the Dow Jones. Okay, so when you hear people talk about the Dow Jones industrial average, it's just basically 30 most significant stocks. That actually changes. I mean, I would have had those stocks down there, but it didn't convert that text. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is you would have had a lot of car companies in there back in like the 1950s, something like that. Now you have more technology companies in there. You do still have some, you know, IBMs, those types of companies that have been around for a long time, okay? Um, and normally when people say, okay, they make the case whether to invest in stocks or to put your money under your mattress, they'll go to that Dow Jones Industrial Average. So it's that average of companies and how they have performed over the past five years, ten years, et cetera. So, and the other one is the Standard & Poor's Index. It's just another index of companies that's used. Um, that's not the Dow Jones. We can go to the next one. 
Um, okay, so how do we make money in the stock market? Well, one is obviously buy a stock low and it goes up and you sell it. But how do you know when to sell it? Um, there is no magic thing as when to sell a stock, okay? But what you look at is you say, okay, well, kind of what's going on with that stock and where you think it to be going. Um, a good example of a recent one is Bank of America. Um, I remember 15 years ago I did business with Bank of America, and their technology for a bank was really great. I mean, uh, deposit, check deposit via your phone, et cetera. They were doing that years ago. You could actually just put a, tech, a check into the ATM and it would cash it back when you had to go to an actual branch and do that. So their technology back then was good. It would have been a good stock to buy, especially when the banking sector tanked. I don't know if you remember that a while back. Um, so that is an opportunity to buy low and sell high. Um, but again, when do you sell? You have to establish a threshold by when you say, okay, look, I'm going to keep this stock this long. It may be a certain number of years. It may be until you get a percent. What I'm looking at is I'm saying, okay, if I can make 10% on my money every year, I'm doing good. So once it hits that 10% mark, any time that I keep it beyond that, I'm really burning extra time that I don't necessarily have based on what my threshold is, okay? Yours may be, they have uh, the different uh, things they say, buy and hold or uh, day traders. That's kind of the two things that are out there. Your buy and hold people, they say, okay, you know, I'm going to buy that stock. I'm going to keep it for 20 years. It goes up, it goes down, it doesn't matter. That's when I'm going to keep it. Um, your threshold percentage, then you say, okay, well, once I make a certain amount, then I'm out. Now, then, of course, people are going to say, now I'm going to use my dad in this situation. He said, if I had bought Google Bay back when, I would have had. Okay, but here's the question. How many times over the times when Google started to now would you have sold it? When it went down, would you still have been hanging on to it? So that's the thing. Uh, Nivida, okay, you will hear about their chips. Okay, chips, they go in the computers, they go into uh, AI, automatic, uh, autonomous, no, artificial, artificial intelligence. intelligence, there you go. Um, they go into all of those things. So I bought the, their chips a while back, and I, I made, off that stock, it was about $60 a share. Um, the stock's not cheap, it's about 100 and, maybe we got it in like 110, something like that. It went up to like a, I don't know, 180, I mean, or even beyond that. And then it started coming back down, and I sold it. Now I look at it, and it's all the way back up. Well, I could have sold it and then bought it on the way back down and got back in. So that's another way of doing it, okay? But then what you're doing is you're trying to time that market. And I can tell you, you're more likely to get burned on it than not, unless you have a very disciplined plan. Um, when you're, like a buddy of mine, he trades Tesla stock. So he is familiar with that stock and kind of how it trades and there's going to be natural ups and down swings with it. Anytime you hear a CEO come out and say something stupid, it's probably time to trade that stock and then buy it on the way back. Tesla's, a, their products are good products for the most part. I'm not an expert on Tesla, okay? But um, they have an autonomously driving car, which I was looking at with Max the other day. I was like, that's pretty good. I can do a whole bunch of different things. And people are literally, they set that car and they program or do whatever on the way while it drives them to wherever it's going. 
Um, so that technology out there is going to be something that people want. And one of the ways that you can judge it is, you know, and this is where uh, there's, uh, there's a group called the uh, Beardstown Ladies, I believe. It was a bunch of ladies that got together. They were originally, um, they bought into Walmart, Sam's Club, those different places. And what they did was they weren't stock gurus. They said, hey, we're going to invest a little bit of money. And they went to different places where they were going to invest and looked at the companies. And, you know, they went in Walmart and they're like, wow, you know, a lot of people here. Or, or Sam's Club really was where they started out with. Um, and that is what I would encourage you to do to, like, kind of find out about the company that way. Nivita, for example, that has their uh, technology in uh, AI stuff and, and computers. You may not know that much about Tesla, but you can find out, okay, all their chips are in computers. How many computers? How many vendors? And that's a way you can find out about it. Um, but a lot of times, like I asked Mandy, I said, you know, I want to invest in something because I had a little extra money I was selling out of uh, a position. I said, what do you think? And she mentioned... Uh, Pelota, they, they you may have seen that they had the cycle, Peloton. the Peloton. Peloton, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, bikes are nothing new, but they got all these videos and they put them in there. And now, what do people love to do? They love to buy exercise equipment and not use it. So they've got tons of people now. Hey, wait a minute! I just sold my bike that's going out the door, but this one's got a screen on it and it's got all this video content. And what do people like to do? They like to watch TV. So it's right there on their bike. That stock, I couldn't even touch it. It was like a, I think it was like around a thousand dollars. It was something ridiculous. It was out of my threshold of what I was going to buy. I mean, I may have been able to buy like a, a half a stock or something like that. And they don't sell it in half stock, so I would have had to buy one. I'm waiting to save up for it, but. Um, that's a good example of taking things that you know, something that she'd heard about and she knows a bit about and said, hey, I would buy that thing. And then you that's how you can kind of make your decisions. Um, and then you go and you look and see, okay, well, how many other people are talking about it? How? What's their stock price been? You can see a history. And I'm going to show you how to see the history on stocks. I'm going to go to the next uh, slide. Okay, why invest? Um, okay, so this is the S&P 500. I'm going to show that one to you because that's a, all these are just a, a grouping of stocks in the average. Um, but over 30 years, 11% consistently, 12% in small cap stocks, consistency, consistently. People like to tout how real estate is so wonderful, and real estate isn't bad as far as investment, but real estate returned 4.4%. Um, Corporate bonds, government bonds, T-bills, um, and gold. Now, gold is, um, that's not the conversation for today, but when you see the market going south, gold can be somewhere that you can put your money into, and you don't have to buy gold, but you can buy gold stocks. So if you say, hey, you know what? I'd like to get in some gold positions, and that's what that's the way they talk. You know, trying to get in gold positions, okay? It's basically you just putting your money in that area. You can look up gold stocks and see which ones and buy into that. That's one of the things actually I did recently because I had money. I said, you know what? I really don't know where to put it. Um, there's tons of opportunities out there, but I didn't have a chance to research any of them. But I said, you know what? Mm, things are a little bit shaky. Anytime people start having a little bit of um, anxiety about the markets, you can go on gold and gold will go up. So that's really what I did. And I made, so far it's made probably about 6% from the time I bought that gold stock. Um, so that's, you know, those are different things to look at as far as there. Oh, you can go to the next slide. 
Uh, fate of $100, 1965 to today. Um, if you put in T-bills, very safe investment. That's the other thing. And some of these, um, I mentioned these things because it's kind of like, okay, well, people will take their money and they'll pile it up in a bank account. And that bank account's paying ridiculous point something interest. And it's like, okay, well, it's not just that you are um, putting your, you're not making money on it. You're actually losing money. Every day that your dollar is sitting in a place where it's not doing something, it's losing money. And I go back to that uh, parable um, where you guys like, yeah, I, I buried your stuff. Um, you lost me money for the whole amount of time. Like, you know, I used to be like, well, that wasn't so bad. He still got the same thing back, but he didn't get the same thing back. He got less and it had dirt on it now. So um, that's that. Uh, gold, you know, invested in gold at $100, you got at least 4000 four times, you know. Um, and then again, in stocks, no matter how they went up and they went down, but you still have a, a larger amount of money. And this is back as of 2011. Um, so we can go to the next uh, slide. Um, what causes stock prices to change, supply and demand? Um, that's another thing that you can look out for and you can sometimes see that. Um, if you see something that, you know, it's, it's in your everyday living. I mean, um, one of you may see something as far as a shortage and the other person doesn't see that because it's what they do every day. Um, so if you see something where there's a shortage, shortage is always going to drive up that price. And if you know the shortage is a short-term live thing, then you might buy, and that's when you might do a buy and sell type situation. Um, earnings and expectations. You know, sometimes with companies, when you're buying them, the earnings expectations are going to be that it's growing at 40%. And wow, that's great. And so the company just grows, they post their earnings, and it says it's growing at 20%. And the market just kills them it you know it kills it, it drops their stock price it doesn't mean that company is bad it just means that it wasn't growing at the actual rate that everybody expected it to be growing at so then what you have to do is look at um there is a price to earnings ratio okay so how much that stock is worth versus what kind of earnings they're producing and so if that ratio is out of hand, then you might say it's a bad stock. Otherwise, you might say, hey, you know what? While everyone's uh, tanking the stock price, I'm going to buy some more. And that's really long-term or uh, price average investing. That's where that comes in, into play. So you'll have a stock chart that looks like an up and down thing. Well, you're buying in the low spots. You're also buying sometimes in the high spots and then sometimes in medium spots. But over from year here to here, it's going to be an average. And on that average, you still will make money. Okay. And that's really, um, as far as if you went to a broker or a financial advisor, that's the pitch that they're selling. It's better than putting it in a bank account, but I'm really not in there to just take the highs and lows. I'm trying to get where I'm taking more of the highs. Um, so uh, the other thing is economic indicators and volume. Um, if you see a lot of, and again, some of this stuff I'm telling you about now, but then we'll look at it, but a lot of trading on a stock, that can mean either people are selling off or 
a lot of people are clamoring to buy it, and just mere volume will drive it up. If you were to look at CNBC or Squawk Box or any one of those, and on a consistent basis, look at the stocks that they mention, and take the ticker before their show and then after your show, you often would see a bump in that stock, merely just because a bunch of eyeballs are looking at it and saying, hey, that's a good one to buy. So they run out and they take their money and they plunk it in it, and it goes up a little bit, and then it goes back down a little bit. So that's one way I'd looked at of actually buying and selling, and really I did it based off of that. But then I also want to make sure that's companies that are solid. Like if there is... Okay, Twitter really doesn't have much value for me, okay? I don't know much about the um, platform from a business standpoint, but I wouldn't go and buy that just because it was going to go up and go back down because it doesn't have a long-term value. Facebook, I see, has a long-term business value. So even when you're buying in ups and downs, make sure that, that if you're wrong, is that that up and down, you'd still be comfortable holding that stock on this side of that up and down. Um Okay, anything, yeah. And anything can make you go down. Um, and that's one of the things that kind of aggravated me because there was a period of time I got out of stocks and it was stock can be doing great and the C-level executive decides to go and do something, any number of things that's dumb, and it can tank the stock price a little bit. But that's when you're looking to see, okay, is that company still solid? Um, like when Elon Musk went and said he was going to take uh, Tesla private, that hurt their stock price because there was a um, legal issue that he broached with that. And the what they said was basically he didn't have the money to do that, but he told people out there who were their investing public that he did. Um, now, he may have thought he had almost, but they're not dealing with thought you had almost, okay? Um, but that stock still was a solid stock. So when it dipped you could have bought on that, and that wouldn't have been a time to sell. Um, if he are continuing his ramblings and craziness, then you might do something like that. Um, you can go to the next one. Uh, three, four, ten, amazing market. Yes, you can lose money too. We can go to the next one. Kind of hard for this. Um, how should you invest? You know, basically your final financial goal is your risk tolerance. Um, all of those different things, along with are you actively managing your portfolio. What I'm going to be showing you all today, and it uh, goes along with the free stock, is that you can do this yourself. Um, and one of the tools that I'll mention a little bit later is uh, called Motley Fool. Anybody ever heard of them? Okay, so Motley Fool's been around for a long time, um, and it's based on the premise that, you know, people can be fools when investing and hopefully it's kind of like a stock investing for dummies type deal. Um, but what they have turned into is an information resource. So they're really a stock picker. Um, you got to be careful because everyone and their brother will tell you, hey, you know, we, we can pick stocks, but their information and the research they've done is pretty good. Um, and so that's one of the ones that I would say if you don't have, you've got one of two ways. You can do this research yourself, which it takes a bit of time to do. Or you can take someone else that have done the research. You're going to pay them for their service. And then you can trade based off that. You still need to do a little bit of information searching yourself. But they're going to kind of go through a lot of the things um, that you would not necessarily have time to go through and look into. Um, and some of that stuff, for the ones that, like Motley Fool, I looked at, and I'm actually looking to get into the options, then 
that's something where you can either get together or if I have that service, I can let you know some of the different things. But again, it's your decision to make that, you know, ultimate um, decision, but you'd have access to that information. The other thing is I actually do have a broker who handles corporate uh, money. And because of that, they can, I have access, so you can go and search up different stocks and they have, it's with Merrill Lynch, they actually have a lot of that data in there that you could find. So um, we can go to the next one. Um, one of the last things down there, it says uh, about diversification. People say, don't put your eggs all in one basket. Don't just be in the technology sector, be in a couple different sectors. You may not have money to be in a couple different sectors. So you have to look and say, okay, well, how much money do I have and, and where do I think I'm going to get my best bang for my buck? Um, and then as you have the ability to diversify, it's not a bad idea because the market is going to have ups and downs. Um, so that's, you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, okay, so this is just going, a brokerage account just basically the old school of you'd be able to call somebody up and say, okay, look, um, I have a couple thousand dollars to invest or I've got a thousand dollars to invest. Where would you like me to put it? A broker is not normally um, worthwhile for the average person because a broker wants you to call up and say, I've got a couple thousand dollars to invest, like 10 or 15 or 20 or 30. And that way it covers his fee because otherwise he really doesn't want to take your phone call. Um, Merrill Lynch doesn't want to take my phone call if I didn't have the corporate stuff in there. And even the corporate, I'm, it's the guy that I'm working with, he manages millions of dollars, okay, for individual people. So individual people that have millions of dollars. The only reason he's dealing with me is because I went golfing with him and a buddy introduced him to me and he sees my, like a stock, my future potential. Um, but right now I don't really have, you know, I don't have that kind of his kind of money, okay? Um, but I do have the advantage of that service and some of those things I can pass on to you as far as that information. Um, you know, the whole keep it simple thing, that's really the main thing. I mean, if you get somebody who is, my brother-in-law, he's very intelligent, um, but he starts talking about things with stocks and it, it it's pretty simple. I mean, you're buying and selling something. So if somebody wants to tell you something a whole lot more than that, it's up to you to listen, but... If it's not simple, I kind of tend to stay away from it. Um, okay, stock for free. We can go to the next uh, slide. Now, actually, there's... Okay, if you write down that link up there, I'm not going to go into the... Actually, here. Well, let me do this. All right. Uh, did I... Oh, okay. Well. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I take it down for you? Yeah. I did. All right. How about we? How about I not do that? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Write this down, and then I'm going to take it away. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I can. T I can. T you know what? I'll text it to everybody. That is, would that make it easier for everybody? Okay, I'll do that. Um, let's see here. Okay. On. Get out of my way. Oh, clicking the wrong button. <laughs> All right. What do we got here? Stock portfolio. Uh, you can go away too. Okay. So this is Robinhood. Um, uh, 
Robin Hood I like because <laughs> when I first got into investing in stocks, you had to pay, it was $50 per trade. So if I had $200 I want to invest in stocks and I got to pay $50 for the trade, I'm really down to very little. And normally it had a, a threshold. So Robinhood enables you to invest for $0 for trades. Okay. So a lot of, you see a lot of companies are coming out and they're saying, okay, hey, we do $0 trades or, or E-Trade, I think, was down to like $2 or something like that. Um, but Robinhood is very easy. They kind of took this and made it easy for the average investor. And you say, okay, well, if it's $0 for trade, how do they make their money? I don't care what investment thing you're looking at. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. So you've got to find out how they're making their money. If you can't tell me how you're making your money, I'm not investing in whatever you're doing, period. They make their money because, like, for this account, so you've got the $6,000 up there. There's $2,000 that's sitting in cash right now because I haven't figured out what next stocks I'm investing in. So while that $2,000, I'm not going to take that $2,000 and switch it back into my bank account. I'm just leaving it right there. Guess what they do with it? They're investing it. And they're a platform. They can see where a lot of transactions are moving back and forth. And one of the things that you can make money off in stocks is volume. If you see a whole bunch of people going into a stock, it's going to drive that price up. Well, guess what they do? They take that money and they put it in there. And it's almost a zero risk scenario for them. I'd really like that business model. Um, and on top of that, they have, they will actually loan you money. Be careful when you're borrowing money with stocks. Okay. I did it this way. Um, initially, I think it was maybe like $5 or $10 a month. I don't remember. It, it was very low. Okay. And they were going to give me $1,500. And I said, okay, well, I knew I wanted to get into a stock. I had the money sitting in the bank. So I said, okay, well, I'll do that that way. I don't have to, I can have my money making money in the bank, okay, which in the budgeting investment, I'll go into that. But in a bank, my money is still making one and a half, two percent okay? So I didn't have to move it out of there. And so then I could borrow their money. That's the way I would look at doing that, okay? Um, but other than that, they have the ability to look up uh, stocks very easily. And this is, see, this is through the uh, web. I, they have an app that sits on your phone, so you can look at it on there. It's, it's much easier. So, um, but you can look and see, okay, kind of where things went. Um, you can see, uh, it's hard to see up there, but what it'll do is, let's see here. Oh, and Bitcoin, they have that stuff in there too. Um, I'll touch on that if somebody has some, um, questions, but otherwise we're going to stay away from Bitcoin initially. Uh, let me see, Microsoft. <laughs> some Bitcoin. I actually had Bitcoin when it first came out. I had like about a thousand of those coins. It went up and I got my money and so I got out because I had tripled my money. And yes, I would have a heck of a lot more if I'd left it in there, but that's okay. Um, so anyway, I just typed in Microsoft, okay? Microsoft, you can see, it'll tell you uh, over the past week, over the past three months, what over the past year, what it's been like. The reason why anytime you're going to invest, you want to look at the historical charts is because if I looked at Microsoft 
for the day, I'd be like, eh, it's an okay company, but it might be on the downturn. I, I can't really be sure. You look over a period of years, and it's going up. But there have been people that they bought here, they sold there. They're like, wait a minute, hold on a second, I'm going to buy again here. And then they sold there. I mean, like, literally, people do that all the time, okay? And they lose money. Whereas over a period of time, again, it's a good company because a lot of people use it. Companies use it for their uh, office software, things like that. Um, oh, shoot. And I need to go back to the presentation. Uh, let's see. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, here it is. Uh, okay. I'm current slide. Right, where do I start? Keep it simple. Okay, trading stock table, ticker price, nothing. Okay, so, oh, wow. It's totally different up there than it is on here. All right, so... All those squiggly lines up there, actually what they say is you've got the current stock price, open price, closed price, net change, 52-week um, high and low. All of those pieces of information, are um, you're able to actually see them on the screen. I'm going to kind of run through this, and then we'll um, go back, and I can actually show you this in real time. But basically, your open and closing price, um, ideally... When a stock, the open price, the closed price is going to be higher than the open price. Um, that's going to vary from day to day. But, you know, ideally that's what you're going to be very happy about when you look at your app. Oh, wow, it's made more than money the day before. Um, it'll, you'll see a 52-week range in there um, and percent yield or percent return. And that's basically how much it's made you over a certain period of time. Uh, let's see, Wall Street. Okay, bull and bear markets. I'm just going to touch on those real quick. How many people know what a bull and bear market is? Okay, so, yeah, basically, okay, the economy's doing great. Uh, wow, everything's wonderful. You can throw a dart at a, at this, at a stock chart and you're going to make money. That's basically what they say the bull market is. When things are, people are talking negatively, that's when they talk about the bear market or basically they expect the market to go on a downturn into a recession um and people say okay well so on a bull market that's where i want to buy and a, a bear market that's when i sell no that's not necessarily the case but what it is is in a bear market people focus on different things um <laughs> alcohol is one of the highest things in a bear market um a lot of needed things okay people stop buying a lot of luxury goods so if you were in a luxury type company tesla and the economy is tanking hard people aren't going to be buying teslas in a down economy so you look at the different companies and see okay how would this company be affected in and then how do i expect that yes oh do you say something Okay, sorry. My mom looked at me, so. Um, <laughs> you know how that is. You have to respond. <laughs> um, so that is, you know, that's, that's what's going on there. <laughs> um, bonds. I, I'm going to stay, all I'm going to mention about bonds is 
all these different things are financial instruments. So a bond is something that a company gets to um, finance. So instead of doing stocks, they might say, okay, we're going to release bonds. You can buy those bonds on the market. All it is is it's a loan. Um, and so based on how likely the company is expected to pay that loan back depends on that bond price. Higher bond price probably means that it's very likely to be paid back. Lower bond price can mean that it's not as likely to be paid back. Um, but that's not something, it, it, that's a totally separate um, thing if you want to look into that. That's just so you have the information about it. Um, and also, I guess where it affects stocks is if you've got something where you could actually look at the bond price for a company and that could tell you something about the stock price. Because if the bond prices are high, the company should be is in probably good financial health. If the bond prices are low, people are like, hey, I'm getting out of here because I don't think that this stock is going to be worth anything in the long term, so I'm not loaning them money. So all these different ways are different ways that you can get at finding out what a good stock price would be. Um, okay, options versus futures. Oh, and the basic portfolios. Okay, options versus futures. This is one where people would say, hey, you know what? You need to... Start doing some stocks first and then get into options. And eh, it, it's going to depend on what your risk threshold is. But options are, that's really where I say is I'm looking to get a subscription from Motley Fool. It's really for options. What options are is when you buy a stock, you pay more money so you can actually own the thing. Um, when you buy an option, you're buying it's less money because you have the option to buy this stock. Okay? So you don't own anything over here except for a piece of paper. And stocks, technically you only have a piece of paper too, but that, that paper says, okay, I'm an owner in this company. It gives you certain rights, like uh, going to the shareholder meetings and things like that. Options, you don't have that. Okay? But here's where options make you more money. I can get into Amazon. Okay? I'm not buying Amazon right now, a thousand some dollars a share. But I can buy an option to buy Amazon if it goes up or if it goes down. So that's where options are more speculative. But if you expect, why do you buy a stock? Because it's going to go down? No, you buy it because it's going to go up. So if you buy that option to buy that stock because you feel it's going to be going up and it goes up, then you're good. You could sell your option and make money like that. If it doesn't, then... Your option is valueless. It's worthless. Whereas if you bought a stock and it went down or up, you still have something that's of value. Okay. Um, but with these options, if you study them, then you can get and leverage your money better than you can with a stock. You can only buy a certain number of stocks because let's say you had round numbers, $10,000. That's going to buy you $10,000 worth of stock. $10,000 in options can buy you a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars worth of stock, or actually it's not buying you the stock, it's buying you the option to buy or sell that stock. So you can say, hey, you know what? Tesla's up. I think uh their crazy CEO is gonna cause it code to go down because of information that I have or whatever. So you buy the, the stock's trading at three hundred dollars a share, you feel it's gonna go down to maybe just ten points, ten dollars. So you say, okay, option buy at two dollars two hundred and ninety dollars. Well that difference is what you're making there okay so 
again, it's just the option to buy, but you can leverage your money a lot more. If you're going to spend time looking into stocks, look into options, and maybe, okay, you take, if you're dividing up your money, most of your money is in a stock where you say, okay, I'm going to be making a bit of money in here. Take some and learn that options. And here's the other thing. A lot of people say, okay, well, I've got to have money to do this. You have no, you have to have no money to trade stocks. Okay. What you do is you get yourself a piece of paper. You go and write down the stocks that you were looking at and you put down your investments. Okay. I'm going to give you each a hundred thousand dollars and you go and you write it down and then you look at it in a month. How did you do? Based on that, then you can start moving in real money or you can be like my dad and you go just go straight into real money because he went straight into real money. <laughs> um, but that is, <clears throat> I am a planner. So I, I try to say, okay, well, look, you know, write those things down and then you can start seeing where you might make mistakes. Okay. Um, but that is options is really, it's a really good um, opportunity as far as if you're looking to generate wealth, that is really in the option field. And that's where I'm looking to say, okay, I don't have the, the time to do, I've traded a couple options just on my own, but I figured, okay, you know what? It's better to go and get information on that. And I still do the same. I still, the, the principles that I've mentioned to you are the same. It's just that I have someone that's aggregating that data. Um, I look at what the Bible says about information will increase. Um, Cause I, I try to look in different things to see. And I'm like, it's true. When you look around it, RAM, um, all that kind of stuff that you used to say, okay, uh, a library of uh, the whole, all the books in a library can fit on this, uh, one drive that fits in your computer. Now it fits on a thumb drive. Now it fits on, but there's still just information just constantly coming at you. So you got to be able to sift through that to have it make any sense. And that's really where, you know, you rely on Motley Fool and those different people for that. But, um, yes. So that's 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 the thing about uh, options and futures. And futures is futures just how you think that company's going to do long term. Okay. So options and futures it's the same thing. It's an option to buy. Yes. Okay. Uh, portfolios. Okay. So I think I can. All right. So what this is, is basically the four types. Can you read those off to me, Mr. Darrell? Um, yes. Okay. I want to beat the market. What's the portfolio breakdown for that? 25% Okay. So what they what that is is I'm saying I want to be a this is a, a bit riskier um, portfolio. Okay. They mentioned about international stocks and things like that. When you start buying international stocks, um, I'm an international business major. So when I went in country my perception of things was different than when I was outside of the country, okay? So if you're going to trade international stocks, you not only have to know, okay, yes, it's a great company that produces a great product. What does the governmental environment of that uh, country do to affect its businesses? If you're over in China, you've got to be saying, okay, well, is is the government going to come and just say, hey, you know what? It was your business today. It's my business now. And what types of things are going on there, okay? So... Um, small caps, and they talk about small cap stocks, it's smaller companies. Simple. Uh, this one over here. Okay. I have more money than I will ever need, and I want to grow it with minimal volatility portfolio. Okay. So you probably are not in that class yet, <laughs> but 
what that is is a low risk portfolio. So what's the percentage breakdown on that? Seventy percent U.S. bonds, twenty percent international bonds, and ten percent U.S. large cap. Okay, so all of those, the bond market that I mentioned, that's why I had that in there. Okay, bonds you're buying debt instruments. You're not going to make a ton off of bonds unless you're buying junk bonds. That's where, you know, the company is expected to go out of business. You buy that, and it doesn't go out of business. You make a lot of money. Great, but that um, portfolio type, and I can send you all these different things, that is a conservative portfolio, okay? Uh, okay, 7% hit my long-term goal. What's this one? Okay, the very last one? Uh, no, it's the one at the top right. Okay, I need 7% to hit my long-term goal portfolio. 15% international bonds, 25% U.S. bonds, 25% uh, large cap, 15% small cap, and 20% international stocks. Okay. So um, one of the reasons why they put international stuff in there is because you can normally make more money. Some of the things in the United States that we have as far as regulations actually hampers a business's ability to grow. So, But even still, when they're going outside the U.S., it's a smaller percentage. Um, the large cap stocks are basically just your larger companies, and that's the middle one, so I don't really care about that. Um, if you go to the next slide. Um, okay, so investing questions and answers. So this is where we can get into the nitty gritty of, I can show you kind of um, the specifics on that program if you wanted to, because Robinhood is no different than any other stock program. You don't have to do that one, you can do another platform. It's just that one's very easy to use. Um, and fool.com, that's Motley Fool. Um, that's the website I was saying as far as different tools, and I think there might be another one on there as well. But I guess first, what questions do you all have there? And then, if Mr. L, if you can bring that uh, other website over, then I'll go back there and, and um, hop into that. What questions do you guys have as far as, well, first of all, who has stock now that they own? Okay. Um, Okay, so my dad threw out Roku, so I'll, I'll go uh, there. Um, one of the things with that is um, where people are going as far as their TV, okay? Verizon and Comcast, everybody is complaining about it, and you can go online and you can see, hey, you know, yeah, I ditched them, they charged me so much, and now I'm going to different boxes. So that's where Roku or other streaming services, Netflix, I remember... Um, when they went and said about their um, this number of subscribers, one of the TV execs threw out a number, and it was up there, okay? But, you know, he was kind of downplaying it. And I think the person from Netflix kind of snickered and said, it's way more than that. Um, and that's why Netflix's price is so high. And, again, tying it back, I try to tie it back to what things you know every day. How many people heard of binge-watching? Okay? That's Netflix. Um, you know, you've got, and then when you look at the other platforms out there, you've got Hulu, you've got Amazon, Amazon, another big one. Fire Stick. But even Fire Stick is, you're looking at a couple of, their, yeah, Amazon and Apple TV. So Hulu, um, that one, they had, they were out there, I remember when Hulu first started. Now Hulu has tons of ads. They got them put in the wrong places, so it's annoying. Like you're trying to watch something, and then it, you know, it's just an annoying platform. So I wouldn't invest in Hulu 
unless I'd look at that stock as compared to others and then see kind of where they're going with different things because the viewer experience is not great. Um, but it still is a streaming server. So if you look and you see, okay, you can look and see what revenue they did. Actually, can you pull up uh, another tab and just go to Google and type in uh, Hulu stock? We'll start looking at that one. Yeah, yep, right there. Um, actually, you can just type in there, Hulu stock. Okay, uh, Hulu stock quote right there. Now, what you'll do is you'll find that one of these platforms you like better. This is Stock Market Watch. I've seen this one. Um, eh, it does okay. But what you can look at is uh, you click Insiders. Insiders is anybody that has, can you scroll down a bit? Yeah, that, that's not the right guy. Okay. And that's why you use, uh, I mentioned it as far as the uh, stock ticker, <laughs> because I wouldn't have the wrong Hulu if I had the right stock ticker. Right. But <laughs> um, if you go back, um, but anyway, insiders, while uh, he's going back to that. Um, yeah. Um, actually, go to uh, Hulu stock and uh, I'd say go into Google. Actually, go to Google. Go to Google up top. Oh, um, up one, up a little bit, right there, D down a little bit, right there. Oh, wait, hold on a second. You got to open up a tab, another tab, because I don't want to close out of this one. Okay, that's fine. Um, anyway, if you go to Google and go to Hulu stock insiders, I look at the insiders because the insiders, if you are affiliated with that company, you're a C-level executive, you're a family member that has a whole lot of of the stock that's related to an executive you have to disclose when you're selling or buying that stock. So if the insiders are buying it, I might want to be buying it too. I feel like Michael Jr. <laughs> if they're doing it, I want to be doing it too. Um, if they're selling out of it, then you've got to look and see, okay, why are they selling? Did they buy a whole lot at a low amount? And it'll have that, you know, they're buying and selling um, transactions in there. So they might just be profit-taking which may mean that you're going to still stay in the stock. <clears throat> but if all those insiders are kind of selling out, then that might be an indicator for you. So there's a lot of different indicators that you can use for stock, but that was just one of the things that we hadn't had in the presentation I wanted to go over. Um, yes? Okay, so if you say you want to dabble and you dial it $1,000, mm -hmm. and you think Chick-fil-A, Wawa, okay. companies like that are growing mm -hmm. very fast, are the stocks typically... Um, it actually, actually, Chick-fil-A, I believe, is completely private, so I don't think you're going to be able to pr um, purchase stock in it. Wawa, oh, no, Wawa's another private one, because I, I had the same thoughts when I looked at Wawa. I was like, Wawa's going to go all over the place, and the quality of their product. But no, pri Wawa is actually a private corporation. They're like, no, you're not getting any of that money. Well, you know, to, but to piggyback off of that, let's mm -hmm. say that you had McDonald's. Right. Burger King and Wendy's that are less, <coughs> but getting more stock in it. 
I prefer rather than putting it on one to split it out amongst others. Now it doesn't mean that you're going to be all in the food arena, but yeah, I prefer to look and say, okay, a couple different stocks that you think are going to be going up. Okay. okay. Like Grubhub. Mm-hmm. Grubhub. Yeah, that's a. Mm-hmm. That's really popular. Yeah. It does depend on your risk, but okay, so Grubhub, um, you look and see kind of what the longevity is and also the barrier to entry. That's another thing that you've got to look into because something may be, uh, Groupon is a good example. Groupon was crushing it, but how hard is it to get into doing what Groupon does? You need a website and you need to go out to vendors and say, hey, give me some discounts so I can put on my website. It's not all that hard. So Groupon's trying to differentiate itself. It's still, it's a low, low overhead, high profit business. Okay, so Groupon is still a good business, but it's not, for me, I don't look at Groupon unless they're, you um, sit in on their um, investor calls and they have a different way that they're going. It's not a good long-term investment. Um, now I say that, but You've got, that's a good example of one where you have to look in on it because for instance, Apple's another one. People were all crazy about Apple. I don't think Apple is a great investment from what I have seen. I haven't taken tons of time to dig into it, but what new product has they come out with? They've just come out with more, well, no, no. It, they've come out with more of the same at a higher price. It's, there hasn't been anything that said, oh my goodness, this is phenomenal. The Cranwells are on the phone, great. The, the hardware, good. But what's going to be the next driving thing? They can't just come out with another phone and say, okay, well, I charge $1,000 for it now, $2,000 next year, and have people continue to buy it. The hardcore Apple people will, but then eventually that's going to die off. So what's coming next? Now, I, as much as I say that, Apple, look at what money they, they've got. Outside of this country, they've got billions of dollars that they aren't transferring into this country because of the tax structure in here. So they've got a bunch of money. And when I look at a company that's got a bunch of money, I say, I can make a bunch of mistakes. I could lose a billion dollars and I'm still good. So then you look at their management and you say, okay, what's their long-term plan and stuff like that? And look at some of those things and say, okay, does it make sense to buy that stock? Even though they don't have anything great coming out, but you got to look at their product line and say, okay, what's next? I don't see anything there. So what are they doing? But they still got a lot of cash. So that's one of the ones where I say it's a pretty safe, um, estimate that long term they're going to come up with something pretty good, but it's not something that I would be. It's not where I'm looking at my growth from right now, um, unless of course it's low, because again that they got all that cash. It's and you look at the cash versus, um, uh, mom, you know this uh, payables, accounts payables, what they owe. Um, so as long as that's good. I'm willing to buy your stock as long as it's not too many times earnings. So it'll say, uh, what's that multiple? Okay. So it may say, all right, it's trading at five times its earnings or six times its earnings. You got to look for that industry and see what makes sense. Because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm paying, if I'm buying something that's 10 times what you earn, I'm overpaying. But if everybody else in that industry is 30 times earnings and you're only at five, I now have a bargain. So that's the way I look at that. 
Um, but your thought process is correct as far as looking at things where you say, okay, hey, this company's doing well. It's just a lot of those are, are private. Um, are we able to get Google up? No. Okay. Why, why, okay, so the reasons why companies do IPOs is they want to get a whole bunch of money and they want to grow fast. Um, Wawa, I would say, probably isn't because my thought with them is that they're growing as it is. Mm -hmm. They're making a bunch of money. So there's, there's not necessarily a need. I mean, it's, uh, and it's a family-owned business. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. When you look at that, now I mean, hey, I'd still, you know, those types of companies to keep your tab eye on them, but you'll kind of know if, uh, and what you can do. Okay, so Google. Here's another thing that, because as you start doing this, what you're going to figure out is it's research. So you have that idea. In Google, how many people have a Gmail account? Okay. So when you go into Gmail, you can go in there and have alerts. And if you're not sure how to do, type in Google alerts into Google set up how to set up Google alerts and what you can do is you can put Wawa IPO in there and it will alert you anytime anything's coming back that has Wawa and IPO in it and it'll send that email directly to your inbox so you don't have to keep going out and trying to find information about that um, anything anytime you've got a stock it's good to set up an alert about that stock so then you know when stuff's coming through like when Tesla's CEO was saying all those crazy things well it wasn't crazy it was it was just whatever it was. Um, you may have said, okay, you know what? If you know what the stock regulation is and you say, okay, they're taking it private, and as soon as you hear them say, but there's concern about his his uh, funding, as far as, then you will, hey, sell that stock right there. Because as soon as soon as soon they start talking about that type of stuff, it's gonna take a dip. Now you still may have your money sitting on the sideline so you can buy in again. But that's that's kind of how those those pieces of information work. Yeah. Okay. Because Hulu, there isn't a Hulu symbol every time I try Hulu streaming. Oh, that's fine. Um, and Hulu may be private. Oh, what other it question? Is, it is a private trade. Oh, okay. That's why I can't find it. Okay, they're right. Okay, so here's another. Uh, Amazon, yeah, you could bring up Amazon and put up there. AMZN is Amazon. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm going to look. But you had a question. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're not, you're not C-level executive, and although you have that, and sometimes the crazy thing is sometimes you will have better information than the C-level executive depending on how a corporation is structured, and many of them are not. But, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. See, there you go. <laughs> but that is honestly like <laughs> that's why um, it is good to invest. It's good to have a group of people that you're investing with. Not that your money is, but I'm saying like you can talk back and forth. And, you know, even if you're text, email, whatever the situation may be, because like a CLSN, um, actually, can you put CLSN up there? Um, if you go to the search thing over here, yeah, and type in a CLSN, I believe that's the stock symbol. So CLSN and I have played around, yeah, that's it, Silesian Corp. Um, if you click, uh, Okay, here it is. If you scroll down here. So we've played around for a bit. Um, I've bought the stock. I've sold it, and I bought it back again. Um, but it's a cancer. They deal in cancer drugs, and their, some of their stuff is late stage. So they had a run-up where it went up to like $5. And I looked at the thing, and I was like, oh, great. And my thought was, you should sell that. And I did not sell that, and it went back down. Um, so, but, you know, anytime you get something, like, I doubled my money. I tripled my money, actually, at that point in time. So, get out. Like, just get out. Now, here's the other thing that you do want to look at, okay, as far as stat, uh, taxes, because your capital gains is what you're going to pay taxes on, okay? So, if you're getting in and out of stocks, if, if it's towards the end of the year, and let's say you made a, a bunch of money, and you got some that you're like, oh, these are dogs. They're, I don't have a whole lot of hope for them. You can sell some of those, and even if you buy them back, you're taking that loss. Okay, So you bought it at 50, you thought it was going to be parties, and it's not, and you're at 10. Even if you think, hey, it could go back up, sell it, take the loss, buy it back, that will, on your taxes, it'll reduce your capital gains from those other things that you did make money on that year. Okay? Um, because that's the thing. Like, Mandy is like, well, when do we get the money? And I'm like, well, when we sell the stock. When are you selling the stock? You know? Okay, so that's where, you know, people can be rich on paper, but, you know, until you sell that, you don't realize those capital gains or those taxes. So, um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, but, yes, that's an example of... Um, when you hear the stages, and I used to know them more of the stages, but you know, other people can tell you that. Um, that is really where those stocks do take off because they've got something in clinical trials and it's late in the game and they've already gotten FDA approval and those types of things. Um, and that's, you know, this is a $2.18 stock. It was up as high as I think nine. So that's a pretty good return. Um, you know, my loss on CLSN right now is, I think, $176. I didn't sell it yet, so I haven't realized that loss, but it's here. <laughs> um, but it, it's still, it's a solid company um, from what I've seen of it though, so far. So, I mean, that's type of, now there's others been, uh, oh, Longer Burger Baskets. Here's the example of what you don't do. Longer Burger Baskets. Um, I told my buddy about it. He got, um, he downloaded the Robinhood app. And he's like, yeah, you know, with the economy doing better, I bought this one. And, you know, I look at Longerberger Baskets, Mary Kay, I think, is in there. Yeah, well, that stock, I bought it. 
I bought 7,200 shares. I felt really rich because I had a lot of shares because it wasn't that much. It was maybe, a, I don't know, it wasn't that much. Um, now it's worth 0 .007. I'm excited about that because it was 0 .003. Okay, so that is an example. I didn't. I did a little bit of research, but I didn't. Um, and I even researched the CEO, and he had done turnarounds, and that's what I was banking on. But anytime someone's doing a turnaround with a company, two main factors: money and market. And how many people are buying longer burger baskets? I knew that they were expensive, but if I'd went to probably some of my female friends and said, hey, are you buying longer burger baskets? What's the market for those? It would have been like, longer burger what? So, yes. Oh, yeah. So are we possibly looking at a potential um, maybe in the next year or two where the economy could potentially take a nice fall? Um, potentially, yes. Potentially could it go up? Yes. <laughs> um, but realistically, when I look at that, those are less going to be dictated by the, the president can do certain things to create um, financial opportunity, but really it's going to depend on your interest rates and some other factors. Like, okay, I look at the construction industry, that's one I'm familiar with, the technology industry. There's a lot of growth happening in those different things. So I would say you've got a more positive than negative um, option there. But what I look at more so than that is a company, okay, can this withstand a downturn? Are people still going to be buying this product? <clears throat> Especially because really, yes, I'm more positive than negative, but I'm, it's really close. So when I look at companies that I'm going to invest in now, I say, okay, are people going to need this, really need this product, or is it a luxury item? Tesla, even though you know, I kicked my buddy and told me about it probably $100 ago as far as the stock, um, it's still, it's a luxury item. It doesn't fit with my portfolio of the things that I look at. So even though he's made some money on it, it's not something that, and you gotta have that discipline to you know keep it out. But up or down market, there's still companies that are gonna make money. So that's really when you're looking and making your decisions, you know, you kind of, for, for the areas where you've got a lot more free money that you wanna deal with, you kinda speculate more, but for core stuff, I would say everybody in this room, look at stuff that people are gonna, even if it's a terrible economy, horrible, guess what they're gonna keep? They're gonna keep their Netflix subscription. They're gonna keep that because they gotta watch TV because the day was horrible. So, yeah. So, um, medicines, um, that's another thing to look at. People go to emergency for everything now. So, you look and see, okay, <laughs> I mean, put it this way, a lot of people are going to it for, for almost anything. Or they're, you know, they're popping. Look at the, um, 
things that are constantly reoccurring, like cold and fused and things. Uh, Zycam. Okay, every time I, certain people might want to throw a Zycam and cover me with Zycam. Okay, but so those are uh, hypochondriacs. Like I've never heard so many people that are hypochondriacs about what? I mean, like. But that, the bottom line is they're still buying that type of stuff. So you look and see what they're buying, and that's the stuff that even if in down economy, they're still going to buy it. Um, and that's really where you start. But just for somebody that really has no information about this, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they get a broker or try to learn how to research it yourself? Like, say you have $2,000. Would it make right. more sense to go and get an experienced broker and pay some fees to no. see how things go or to just jump out there and just kind of dabble yourself? It would, if you're saying, okay, well, first of all, as far as the information and research, mutual fund would probably be your safest way to go if you're saying, okay, look, I just want to put it in somewhere so it's better than my um, bank account. And then you can put, you've got Vanguard funds that are out there. Um, and that's really where if somebody asking that type of stuff, I can go into um, my Merrill Lynch account and see, I can run those different portfolio things as far as, because that's, that's how they manage their money. They are a buy and hold brokerage. Um, I would have sold the money that was in there, like I think it went, it went up in probably about $8,000. And I was like, we should sell that. And then it went back down. And well, and so for instance, we have, it, it went up uh, 10 or 12 and then it came back and it actually went lower than my initial amount that I put in. I'm not happy there, right? But now it's uh, probably about four or $5,000 above. So that money was gonna be sitting in a bank account anyway, so it's at least it's making money. Um, but that, you know, and I can tell you what the breakdown of that is. I'd have to go back in there and look at it, but I told him some of it was gonna be more risky, um, and then he have some stuff that's just sitting in cash. But that's, if you're looking, that's the best, that's the best thing to do. Yeah. So specifically with the Robinhood account, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research on that. And you were talking about, you know, how do they make their money? Some of the research that I had read was that they, it's like a delay. Mm-hmm. So let's say right. you go ahead and buy on the, uh, on the app. Mm-hmm. Well, they, you bought it at six o'clock that night. They don't report it till whatever, 8 a.m. the next morning. So they now have that data. Right. To kind of mess with. Is that risky at all? I mean, should should we be buying through an app like this, or is there a more direct person-to-business way to buy? Okay, so you can get a trading program that allows you to tap directly into that market. Okay, so traders, when you see them in that room and whatever movies, they've got a direct feed right into that. Uh, the cost for that, not worth it. Um, yes, they do have that delay in there, but you can also say, oh, oh, dear goodness, thank you. Limit orders. You never want to buy a market order, okay? A market order is you go there and you say, okay, here's my money. I want to buy this stock and I want to buy maybe like 60 of them. And what they do is they say, okay, we're going to go and buy 60 of those. And we were able to get it at, uh, let's say it's a $10. It's $10 when you look at it. We were able, and it, it's going up. We were able to get $11. Um, well, I just paid a dollar more for that stock than I wanted to. What you can do in market and limit orders, a lot of times on some of these other free platforms, they charge you for market and limit orders because you can say, okay, 
I want to buy 10 shares of this stock and I'm only going to pay $8 for it. When it hit $8 or below, great. If not, ain't buying it. So that's that eliminates that issue that you have there. Now, what you could have is, and you shouldn't be cutting it this close anyway, but you could say, okay, I'm looking to buy it at six. And um, when you go in there and between the time of your submission of the trade or whatever, it gets to 625. Well, it's not going to execute because your stuff is at six. But you should have, if you're buying a stock, you should have probably a two or three dollar window at least that that's okay in. But you still do a market or limit order in there. And uh, if we go uh, back to Robinhood, I think it might let you trade through there. I can try to put one in so you can see what a market or limit order is. Uh, the Robinhood, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, the only problem... Okay, I'm going to have to point to it up here. Okay, uh, trade option to move watch list, review order, home account. Uh, go up over here. Click on account. That's it. Yeah. Uh, blah, 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 history. Nope, that's not it. Um, oh, okay, go to Microsoft. Let me see if I can buy that. Um, can you scroll down on the screen at all? <laughs> okay, you know what? Where's my phone? We'll do it this way. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a phone huddle, and I'll walk around and show you my phone. Um, but on there, and let me see here. I don't want that. don't want that. Yes. Question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My dad buys more than I do. <laughs> uh, Walgreens. Okay, so if I hit Walgreens, you hit trade. You can. Tra I mentioned as far as trade options. Okay, no, I don't want to do trade options. Uh, here. Trade, buy. When you click buy, um, up here in the left-hand corner, it'll have order types. You want a market or a limit order. I'm sorry. You want a limit order. You do not want a market order. Okay? Market order is whatever fair value is. So it's kind of like you go and you say, I want to buy lobster today. And they say, okay, lobster's trading at $6 today, and it was trading at $2 yesterday. Um, it's going to, that's, you know, when you go to the restaurant and they say market, they, you don't know what you're getting. Okay? Um, Yes, market price. That's when I say that's not my price right now. Um, so I can say number of shares, and then I can go to that price, and I can say how much that I want to pay for it. Uh, order types. So bottom line, it's always a limit uh, price. Um, let me see. So, okay, it's the current price on Walgreens is $66.61. So I might want to say I could do $61.62. Like if I want to buy that stock, I can either do it at the actual price it is right now, or normally I'm looking and saying, okay, do I think it's going to go down? I will normally say, okay, I'll buy it at $66. Because I can normally get it at $66 and it saves me $61. Okay? 
it's not all that much, but what happens oftentimes is a stock in a period of a day, it will go up and down. The other thing is, as far as when you buy stocks, look at that stock before a couple days before you buy it and see when it's normally higher or lower. Oftentimes after lunchtime, a stock price will go down a bit. It may come out and it's got all full of vim and vigor in the morning and then it goes down a little bit. So that's when you can save yourself a bit of money. Because I bought stuff in the morning and by the afternoon I'm like, I could have saved a dollar or two dollars on that thing. Um, so that's, that's the way you do that. The other thing that you can do is, there's a called a stop loss and a stop limit. That's going to be a little bit more research on your um, part on doing that. But if you're buying stocks, and you bought a stock and you say, okay, look, just in case this thing starts to nosedive, I want some protection against that. So you put a stop limit on it, which means it will sell that stock if it gets to that uh, price. Now, they're going to be trying to sell it. If, it, if the stock is dropping like a rock, they're going to try to get that order in there, but it may you know, dip a little bit before you um, get in there. But again, you shouldn't really be trading things that are that volatile, but I always like to have those stop limits in there to just block me from losing a bunch of money on a stock if possible. And that really came from that other stock that I purchased that had that little thing. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff is um, experience. Um, but those are, that's the different ways of doing it. Any other questions? Software programs are, they're detecting trends. You get into trend analysis. Um, and like my brother-in-law was looking at doing that and he came to me and he said, uh, hey, so it's going to probably be about $20,000 for this software, but then, and then, you know, you, you're going to lose a little bit maybe until it gets its trend together and then you start making money. So I'm out 30 grand before we start. Yeah, no. But you mean, that's the way, the big guys, that's the way they do that. And that's why their algorithms and their systems are so valuable to them because they do they, they they detect those patterns and then it takes that emotional piece out of it. They're just buying based on those patterns and they do that all day long. Um, but even those systems, they can mess up. And well, if you figure if it's twenty thousand dollars to get it straight, and if it messes up, but they're they're dealing in hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're dealing with your pension funds and things like that. So they have more of your money to lose, um, but they also have more of it to make. So that's kind of how that, that works with a lot of the software pa packages. So is it better to be kind of a day trader, kind of watching it up and down every day, or just put it in every day? I initially watched it a whole lot. Um, if you've got the time to do it, then sure. I mean, watch and see, but I would not, going into this, do not plan on being a tra day trader, because you, if you do, you've got to know what your capital gains are and factor that into your every, because you may make money on it, but after your capital gains hits you, um, what, 20%, somewhere around there can be, um, you know, you may not make anything. Um, now, it's, it's obviously a percentage of what you make, but still, it's, you know, you, you may find that you're working for nothing. Um, so I would say anything that you buy, you should plan on holding on to it for at least a month or two months. Um, and I, I really look at stuff that I'd be comfortable holding on to for several years. Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with looking at because you'll spot as you're looking at it on a daily basis, you'll spot different things that, and you'll learn that way as well. So. I think talking about time, that's where most of us have this problem with stock. Mm -hmm.
You don't oh, need to do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't, like, if you're buying a stock, I mean, he's probably, well, two things. Sometimes when people get in their money, they're, 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 they don't necessarily need to be looking at it and do all the time, but that's what they have to do. That's what their hobby is. But really, if you buy something, you should have something that you can hold on to for three, four, five years at least. So if you elect to trade it, it's just because you decided to. Um, I don't have to jump into my stocks and trade them all the time. I mean, it's been, my portfolio is at six whatever. It's been up at seven and it's gone back down and it, go, it will go back up. Um, but that's, you know, that's the nature of what it is. I mean, when I look at my, from again, year over year, I'm making money out of there. But it, you pick any point in time and you'd be like, okay, what in the world? You know, so. Mm -hmm. I don't, hey, as many as. If you're gonna, <laughs> you if, have to have if um, laws have just changed as mm -hmm. far as opi opioid uh, prescriptions, there's mm -hmm. now a cap on opioids that can be prescribed. Oh, yeah. So there are other avenues that are that are coming out, new immersion therapies, new injection therapies, and stuff that have to happen to replace that. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you know they took off the cap. They, they made a cap, a stricter oh, they cap. Put, oh, they, oh, yeah, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, I was like, I was so that. people, let's say if someone was on an astronaut, like 300 milligrams of something per month, now the cap might be 100. So they have to make up the difference in another type of therapy or another type of drug or another type of something. Mm -hmm. So let's say, like Jolly's talking about time, if you knew that you were going to put $1,000 into a company that you did the research on, mm -hmm. um, but it's still in testing phases, it's still in whatever, it's going to take time to get where it's an actual usable viable thing mm -hmm. if you're doing percent over time what is a what's a good base percent to say hey i've now made two times three times four times before pulling that out again knowing it's going to be in there a while okay so um the rule of thumb is basically actually they the market puts it around an investor will say about eight percent if you're making eight percent of your money you're doing pretty good and when, I didn't throw that up here today because I figured everybody had seen it already, but uh, compound, uh, the compounding thing where they take, you know, $100 and you compound it and what you end up with, it's a ridiculously high amount of money. So what I'm saying is that the issue that you have there is the speculation um, because you don't know if it's going to be approved or not. So then I look and say, okay, what items are being sold by that company that are approved? Is that enough to sustain it? And then this is just extra on the top, bam, I'm making that decision. If my whole investment is based on this getting approved, then I've got to say, okay, well, look, what are the chances of it getting approved? Am I willing to take that risk? But an 8% If you're doing 8% on your money year over year, you'll have a nice nest egg at the end. And that's why, I mean, my personal threshold, I know in the stock market you can do 10% year over year. Um, and you can it can be better than that, but... Again, it takes discipline as far as it, and it's, it does take some risk, but more, more, it's more discipline than it is the risk. Yes, I mean a lot of times you got to leave it alone. Like, just because it's dipping, mm -hmm. you need you'll start to understand why it's dipping, and then that often leads to you being able to do more investments. 
Like, I, I don't really know. I, I can't explain that to you exactly, but it's, you, you start to learn things and see different patterns. And so then you, and especially if you make money off of a stock, you may do real well off of a stock. Bank some of that stuff as far as in a safer investment and then speculate with that extra that you've got. Don't speculate with your principal as much. Put that in stuff that is, you know, stuff that's going to be there year over year. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on um, like mergers and acquisitions, for example, like CVS um, is like $58 a share mm -hmm. and it dropped dramatically just this year only because of the whole CVS Aetna deal. Okay. So now it's at a really nice low, which eventually I believe is going to probably like the 52 week high was like around 85, $86. Okay. So could I expect to see that again if I were to buy at 58 now and maybe over the course of five years when CVS and Aetna are now one, mm. um, knowing that CVS is eventually going to decrease their retail by almost 40% and have more healthcare offering there, mm -hmm. is that something that I should keep an eye open for? I would say initially, I would say that would be good. The things I would look at is CVS. Look at their main competitors. You got Walgreens. Uh, I don't go to drugstores that often, so who else is Rite Aid? Okay, so look and see how many retail stores that they have versus them. Now, what you mentioned is they're going to de decrease their retail stores, which in this environment I would say be good would be good because most people are going to be as much as possible. You look also the regulation as far as how can they get those meds that they were getting in the retail. If you can buy them off online. That's that's a great thing for me because you got upside there. And then you look at that deal with Aetna and you say, okay, well, that deal that they're running, what is that going to really mean for them? I'm assuming it is, what, they're going to be in the hospitals more or what? I, I don't... Like a, like a minute clinic on steroids type right, stuff. So okay. Uh, okay, wow. Okay. Yeah. So. So was it now? Okay. Then that's you, you. Also, I look at that trend and see that it's going up. But yeah, I mean that makes. Mm hmm. <laughs> But that's that is pretty. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, he's got a good uh, marketing pitch back there. Um, but those, you know, that those pieces of information are critical. The other thing I would do probably is, if I've got one that's cl that close, I'd go down there and see what the see what the inpatient and outpatient process experience is like. Now I'm not going to go, you know. Whatever, <laughs> but you can go in there and you can see. Okay, you know how how do they run things? And just you really just go in there and sit there for a little bit. Now you may not have time to do that, but I'm saying like for something like that, that would determine the difference between me maybe putting eighty percent of what money that I had as discretionary in there versus maybe thirty or forty percent. But what you're telling me 
Yes, it makes sense. I mean, the urgent cares are popping up all over the place. They're popping up all over the place because they're making money. So if CVS now is backing with a large company like Aetna, then the other thing you can look at, because you've got two thick companies there, you've got CVS stock and Aetna stock. So you look and see which ones you want to buy. Because if they're merging, like sometimes you buy the smaller company and they get swallowed up by the bigger company and their stock goes up. Whereas the main company's stock went down because they had to pay that money. Um, but either way, you still end up with the same stock. You know what I mean? Like when a company merges, you know, the little guy sometimes gets twice as much of the stock of the parent if you were the stockholder in the company that got bought. You know, so that's the other thing I would look at. But no, I mean, from what you're telling me and knowing a little bit about that stuff, I've been in an urgent care. Um, yes, it, it was much better than the hospital. I mean, unfortunately, I had to go to the hospital afterwards. But um, yes, it was, they're, they're um, up and coming things. No, but one thing about mergers and acquisitions, they are not always a great thing, okay? Because what happens is you're bringing two, what, what the sell of a merger and acquisition is, is that you've got uh, two infrastructures, you're combining into one so you can lay people off and you can re, uh, realize economies of scale. But what oftentimes happens is you've got redundancy. Yes, some people get fired and stuff like that, but now what used to be a great customer experience, let's say with Amazon, Amazon gets bought by Google, and now it was a great customer experience. Now it's not so great because now I'm trying to talk to you and you don't normally. So that's what you have to look at from a merger and acquisition. But um, you kind of can see, and they'll normally have like, you know, how is this, how is this merger and acquisition going to um, run? And you can kind of look at some additional information. But, you know, that's just something to know about them. But overall, the point of what you're saying, that stock should go up, all things being equal. They should be bringing in more revenue, different types of revenue, along with their original baseline revenue. So. ETFs. ETFs. Uh, it's been a little bit since I've looked at those. Um, yeah, it's. Let me look it up so I don't get it wrong. It's a. Um, yeah, let, let me look at their official definition of those. Um, just click it, click in that thing, uh, no, the, the address bar. Yep, and just type uh, ETF definition. It's basically a basket. Uh, yeah, right there. Um, okay, so we're going to click here. Oh, wait, down. Um, Okay, yeah, understand ETFs with iShares. Uh, no, this under ETFs with iShares. Uh, that's an ad. Um, it's kind of like a mutual fund. But that's you get into more tax things. I got to say, like, I'm not, if I spend some time and looked at it, I, the best answer I guess I could give you is I could spend some time and look at it and tell you what the tax advantages would be and then email, I can email everybody. I can put it, like, on a post so everybody could see. Um, but other than that, I really haven't seen much difference uh, between them and like mutual funds, um, except for a new marketing and branding way of doing things. And sometimes literally in the financial market, you think it's not, it's not super sexy and glamorous. So they got to find other ways to get people to buy their products. So they'll repackage something and put a little bit of a difference to it. Maybe has a, a tax advantage to some degree. And then they market and people are like, Oh, I'm not buying mutual funds anymore. I'm buying ETFs. Well, what's the real difference? Um, so 
the easiest thing for me to do is I can tell you I can look into it and I can tell you because I looked at them previously it wasn't something that stuck on my radar so I just got to dig back into it and I can let you know any other questions and if you have questions beside this I'm happy like my goal with this type of stuff is that we all are increasing in our ability to um, gain assets I mean, at the end of the day, we should not be working as hard for money today as we do 10 years from now. I mean, it should be getting a lot easier, not the other way around. Um, and Herb, well, you guys, some of you guys have met Herb. Um, you know, he said he had a buddy of his that um, gave him tips and stuff like that. And he said he would not be, I think he just buried him not too long ago, but he said he would not be here where he is as far as investments if he hadn't. And when I say as far as getting into other things, like he originally, Herb originally got into stocks. Herb had ice cream stores and a couple other things later on down the line. And you can't say, okay, we get into stocks and you're suddenly going to have these different things. But it um, changed his perspective on things. And when he was looking at different investments, you may not do that. But from looking at stock investments, if you're able to look at those things, then if someone came in and say, hey, you know what, I'm starting this company, blah, 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 or, you know, you now know certain questions to ask and to decide whether that might be a good investment or not. Um, so it just maybe changes your um, way of looking at things. And then the other thing, just sheer by getting money stocked away, like whatever is in my stock account, that wouldn't be sitting there if I hadn't put it in there. It would have been spent doing something else. So at least that money is there for a rainy day if I needed it, I can go and pull it out. Um, it may not be as high or whatever as I wanted it to be, but it's still money that's stocked away. So, um, Hopefully it's been helpful to you, and like I said, if you have any other questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. If I can't find out, or if I don't know them like off the top of my head, I'll go research them and I'll give you the information. Yes. What would you advise to investing Okay, what types of, okay, and what they're going to do is, you saw those four ones up there that I had to read off. They're going to say, okay, well, are you high risk, low risk, medium risk, or no risk? Um, and no risk is going to tell you to turn your way. Um, but that's what that's the way they pick things. Okay, so <clears throat> you're going to go into all, all the mutual fund is a, a conglomeration of stocks that people have said, okay, you know what? These fit this risk portfolio of someone who is a medium risk person. And so now you can buy into this mutual fund and you get some of the benefits of the stock. The downside with mutual funds is that you've got a mutual fund manager and they're going to charge you some fees. Vanguard is one of the lower ones, and that's the, reason, that's the only reason why I mentioned them. Um, and then the other thing is they're determining what stocks are in that thing and what determines, defines a medium risk portfolio. So it's better than uh, putting it in your bank or under your mattress, and then stocks are a purer form of that. And so that's way, but it's not a bad place to start out with. Um, and I would say, you know, it's always good to have a, uh, un until you're com completely comfortable in the stock realm, it's always good to have mutual fund, um, mutual fund stuff. So. Okay. Thank you for the research and your time. Okay. No, I mean, it's, hey, I, I look into that, that's, that's not a, not a difficult thing. <laughs>